0: Uh, hello. Yeah. Hi. Uh, thank you very much for coming. Welcome to, uh, to our session this afternoon. Uh, I'm Echo Eshin, the curator of, of Forum, the uh, talks programme of 154 Arts Fair. It's my great pleasure uh, to welcome the Sorry You Feel Uncomfortable uh, group uh, who are leading the session. I'm actually just going to hand over to, um, to Barbie and Amal, who will introduce... Uh, our session this afternoon, Black Together, versus Lingua, Franca, and kind of talk through, I guess, the format mm-hmm. for, for the next couple of hours.
1: OK, yeah. thank you. Actually, just to, to change that a little bit, it's actually me and Amal that are running this. Oh, sorry, what did I say? No, it's OK, it's fine, it's oh, OK. So, it's me to... and Amal, um, so welcome everybody this afternoon to um, this reading group workshop that we're doing um, that is kind of connected to this very new project mm-hmm. that um, Amal and, well... It's an ongoing, but actually we're materialising a project that we're doing, um, which is called Black Togetherness. Well, it's called Diasporic Self. Black Togetherness as lingua franca. Um, we are starting this project. Well, this is our first outing of this project, actually, um, and uh, it, it comes from many, many conversations that myself and Amal have had, you know, between the UK and. Being in Amsterdam and other places um, around Europe, including Italy and Switzerland, and um, other places where we've been really thinking about kind of um, the idea of black togetherness, or even blackness, or what whatever that is. So, um, to the just to say that our project is kind of. Uh, As I said, it's jumping off. It's going to happen with a number of gatherings. We have the gathering Mm -hmm. in um, Amsterdam in December and also in London in December, which um, we'll have a number of different people... November, December. We'll have another of different people being engaged with this, including the lovely Hannah in the back and Nadim. And so this is a wonderful opportunity for us to start sharing some of those ideas with you and really... um, I mean, Amal will say a little bit more about this in a minute, but the, the reason that we're reading, um, or we're doing this presentation today or this kind of reading with you today around um, Fatima Al tayyabs uh, Queer in European others is it's really been really useful for us in developing our thinking and our explorations around this. Um, I'm just going to just, um, before we kind of... You might want to say other things, I'll just quickly kind of go through a through uh, little quote from the book. It was black Europe's heterogeneous composition, its ambiguous relation to constituted narratives of the African diaspora, as well as its complicated relation to and overlap with other communities of colour that left black Europeans in the margin of the diaspora discourses. I argue, however, that it is exactly this messiness of black European identities and allegiances that is its potential. Europe appears as a promising terrain to explore and and advance the possibilities of new conceptualizations of minority identity, inclusive of, but not necessarily limited to black Europeans. Taken in its totality the national differences admitted, Black Europe, uh, uh, the national differences admitted, black European communities show important commonalities rooted in the perception of Europe as a white continent, living on in its current debates on, on post-national identities. Consequently, the various black populations of Europe are increasingly subjected to the same conditions and confront an ever more homogeneous image of a continent that is up, to, up to now has excluded its residents of colour. So basically, also, um, Tiab is also asking for a kind of narrative, for us to start kind of narrativizing this, to start to really kind of um, grapple with these ideas. And I suppose this is what this conversation is uh, is going to do. I just think just a few things before I hand over to Amal. This is important for us to say that this is not in opposition to a black American narrative, it is speaking with. And actually thinking about the kind of conditions as well that. Uh, are uh, European, you know, the, the post-colonialities the, and the colonial that still exists, the independence and the migrations that uh, are also experiences The, the for us, the labour and refugeeisms and feminisms and queerness um, and the different kind of manifestations of racism in Europe. Um, so we're also thinking about the intersections of languages and cultures and the different kinds of... Um, creations and fusions that happen, the moments of tensions and the moments of togetherness. So really we're trying to kind of explore a very fertile, you know, a little bit researched but also not as well, kind of er area of like black Europeanness, which has got
2: so many different kind of permutations. Do you want to say? Yeah. um, Well, I think you touched already a bit on language is one of the main um, issues is also how do we speak together when we do not speak the same languages mm-hmm. and I think it's very important to kind of within this project it means that one has to sit with the unknown the inability to speak another language and to not necessarily centralise the anglophone since I personally am also a Dutch I speak Dutch I grew up in the Netherlands um, and there is this um, ability to translate but what does it mean when one has to learn multiplicity of languages mm-hmm. in order to speak together. And how do we think about like bodily languages mm-hmm. or other codes that are um, translated beyond the verbal and um, that offer us ways to speak together. We were speaking um, um, with a friend of ours who lives and works now in Lisbon. We're speaking about the head nut, the, the, um how coded it is that in particular spaces, white spaces, when one walks up, Um, the role of the head nod as an acknowledgement of one's presence in a particular space where one simultaneously feels alienated, but there is another black person. While in other particular situations in the Netherlands, another black person might not acknowledge you because they are rooted in a different cultural context. So how do we how do we speak together when we come from different cultural contexts and we have different sets of colonial traumas and we all live in different forms of the afterlives of slavery simultaneously. Um, in a way, yeah, the project is quite rich. Um, it um, includes an exhibition. It will include also um, a radio platform where different people like, kind of um, create podcasts from their own places their own, and speak from their own sites. Um, And I think it's very important that you mentioned (laughs) um, that it is not against black America, but it is literally offering, um, attempting to find different terminologies to speak for oneself, because wherever I've been in Europe, um, there have been these conversations um, about how do we find terminologies or ways of speaking that are very much um, touching and speaking about our local realities and conditions that um, are sometimes overshadowed by the black American, um, wonderful academic thinking um, that has been useful, but sometimes also um, undermining, undermining um, the different ways of being black in the global context. So I think also just to kind of add that, we should also give a shout out to our spaces that we're having,
1: so December, we will be in 198 Contemporary Arts Mm -hmm. and Learning, and uh, in Amsterdam, we will be at Framer Framed, um, which is at North Amsterdam. Um, and just to sort of, just before we open this up and we hand it over, just to say we're also thinking about these moments as well as uh, moments of archival, because archivals, archives live in a, mostly in our bodies, in our streets, and in our kind of presences, really, rather than actually like in boxes. So these moments and gatherings are also about this uh, this, these kind of moments, these archival moments of um, becoming collective and thinking about our strategies to move forward within antagonistic spaces. And I just think one of the most important things that we are kind of also thinking about, and I think I have to just like reference my our wonderful friend Karen Salt here, is like how do we remain whole in unjust space? And we know right now that Europe is quite an unjust space. We all talk a lot about America, but it, is. Yeah. it <laughs> has been and long watching. time too. We, we need to be <laughs> yeah. watching as yeah. to what's going on in Europe. So um, we're going to open it up. So how we're going to do this is some of you have um, some text. We wouldn't normally do a reading group in a space like this, but it's just what we've got, and we can make it work. So basically, we're gonna. It's an annotated um, kind of reading. The book is like quite fat. We're not going to be reading all of it. We're taking little bits out of the book that are kind of speaking to each of us. Um, and what we've got is um, pre- like kind of presentations and, and a few um, kind of cha- uh, like paragraphs. And what we would really like is we'd like you to read with us as well. So mm-hmm. we've all selected various different bits. And some of you have, maybe we could show the, like. Um, Jacob there, you can show it. So I have one that says at the top, questions, what do you call it? Quotes yep. for reading. Okay, so if people
2: have that, that's kind of going to be with my presentation. Yeah, I have, because it is our stepfatherland, so whoever has the one small sheet, that's me. <laughs> and, and, uh, <laughs> and you'll be joining me.
3: Uh, mine begins with a quote by Avery Gordon from Ghostly Matters
4: and mine has Stranger My Own Country, and that's the
1: one. And then just quickly, maybe we can just give you a little uh, introduction so you can give space to introducing yourselves, actually. Um, Yeah? Yeah. Um, Okay. Or introduce yourself before the... Yeah.
3: yeah. Well, so, uh, Babi Asanti and Amal um, have invited sorry for uncomfortable members to join them today. Um, I'm a. I've been a member of Sorry Feel Uncomfortable Collective since two thousand and fifteen, um, and I am a writer and an artist and a facilitator uh, and. Yes, I'm going to be talking a little bit about um, just showing like we're all going to be showing some texts to go alongside this reading of like what it makes us think about what um, how it relates to some of the work that that we have done and we're doing in our, as individuals. Um, so I'll show you a little bit of my work and my writing.
4: Um, yeah, OK. Uh, my name is Nadim. I'm an artist. and. I'll explain more when it comes my time to talk. <laughs> I'll let Amani introduce herself <laughs> and go off on where she's gone. Okay. <laughs> Do you want
2: to kick off, Amani? Maybe one thing, small no. thing. This is really an invitation to participate. It's really a, a collective gathering, so we'd really would like to invite you um, to not just simply keep it to listening, yeah. but to join us, and also to speak from one's own position and perspective, and. Um, it only enriches the conversation, I believe. I think we all agree on that. So
5: feel welcome.
2: <laughs> um,
3: okay, so I'm actually just... I think we'll each decide how we want to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, so I would like four readers to put their hands up and help me read this, which begins with the Avery Gordon quote. So, okay, I've got Hannah and uh, Randa. Uh, and what's your name? Rambi. Rambi, nice to meet you. And. Can I have a fourth reader to help me read this? Someone is hiding. <laughs> you? <laughs> 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 Say no. Say no. OK. So do you, do you have one of these sheets or do you have one close Make to you? Yeah. OK. So I guess um, we kind of split up the book um, to read little sections that we thought were most interesting for, for us and our work. I read the introduction, um, and I was particularly interested by uh, the author's use of the concept of haunting, which is something that comes from Avery Gordon in a book uh, called Ghostly Matters. So I'll read um, the quote um, that begins the introduction and then I'll pass it to Randa, and you can read the second paragraph. Does that work for you? Yeah? got five readings there. OK, I can read the last one. Yeah. So, indeed, it seemed to me that haunting was precisely the domain of turmoil and trouble that moment of however long duration, when things are not in their assigned places, when the cracks and rigging are exposed, when the people who are meant to be invisible show up without any sign of leaving, when disturbed feelings cannot be put away, when something else, something different from before, seems like it must be done. It is this socio-political, psychological state to which haunting referred. What this book attempts to do by curly zi- curly sizing reappropriating, and extending theoretical s- concepts drawn from, among others, women of color feminism, African diaspora studies, and queer of color critique, is to capture what Avery Gordon in Ghostly Matters, by now a key text of American studies of the aftershocks of chattel slavery, called haunting. That is, the way in which abusive systems of power make themselves known and their impacts felt in the everyday life, especially when they are supposedly over and done with. In the European case, that means the invisible, an presence of race, the myriad ways by which it makes um, itself felt from day-to-day interactions to, to transcontinental political structures, while simultaneously
6: being deemed non-existent within
3: European thought.
6: Haunting, Gordon argues, unlike trauma is distinctive, Producing as something to be done, haunting thus implies an interaction of past and present, the visible and un- and invisible, the here and there, a connection that is hidden rather than uncovered by binary, linear models of, t- of time, space, and identity. As I will suggest in the book, in the book's chapters, haunting makes visible historical memory as a constantly reconstructed process, shaped by interventions into the present that always also contest visions of the past. In the current construction of a Euro- of a European identity and history, the haunting of Europe's silent radicalizations and ethnicizations continues to place people of color outside the limits of the new inclusive post-national, post-national community. At the same time, however, it is used by those excluded as an incentive for something to be done.
5: The ideology of colorblindness is not a passive attitude, but an active process of suppression. That is, the kind of interaction that, according to Avery Gordon, produces a haunting. Encounters with the repressed presence of non-white Europeans, be it through a chance meeting on the subway or TV images of burning cars in neighborhoods, the average European has never visited are not necessarily forgotten, but rather decontextualized, denied any relevance for and interaction with one another by being defined as strictly singular. This active process of forgetting by rendering events meaningless without reference and thus without place in a collective memory means that every acknowledgement of a non-white presence always seems to happen for the very first time. Giving each incident a spectacular character, signifying a threatening state of exception, but at the same time voiding it of any lasting consequences. Uprisings in the French banlieues ignite debates on the end of Europe. But no policy changes. Instead, the next incident is again met with utter incomprehension. A non-white native speaker in Danish, Polish or Greek again and again appears as a curious contradiction, never quite becoming unspectacular and commonplace. Europeans processing the visual markers of otherness thus are eternal newcomers, forever suspended in time, forever just arriving, defined by a static foreignness overriding both individual experience and historical facts. Thank you. So
3: this idea, I guess, of haunting or this concept of haunting and how um, the author brings it into a kind of European context, I guess, resonates with with my own experience of blackness, of always being other, um, even despite being born here and even despite having no other kind of crucible or context in which I can relate to, right? Um, And so in terms of kind of how I've been processing or conceptualizing what that might look like for me. I've been um, figuring through this concept called the black drift, which is essentially about um, the ability or non-ability for black people to move through space. And the kinds of the kinds of reckoning that we do with particular um, kind of moments or symbols of these afterlives of slavery as as we move through space and as we move through time. Um, And so what I wanted to, I have a little bit of reading, but I think it would be nice to to show you some videos. Um, I'm gonna show two videos. The first is a film made by myself and Halima Haruna, who is in the second row, who may or may not wish to put their hand up. (laughs) Did. And uh, it's a film that is, uh, I guess, the result of a trip that um, Halima and I took to Port Rotterdam in in the Netherlands. Um, And then the second is a film... Made by Rabs Lansico, um, which is um, kind of in response to the conversations that we've been having about this concept called the black drift um, and what it means to kind of to, to drift through spaces that are familiar and non familiar and to be, um, to be black in those spaces. Um, so they're two kind of very different takes on the same kinds of concepts. And then I'll do um, a short reading and we'll see if you guys have anything to say at all. <laughs> um. i just going to sit over there.
7: So I can't see it. Yeah. a little bit out of the week again, so its temperature is a little bit better, We can warm up. I do want any more questions so far, ladies and gentlemen? because I'm here for you today, so I, I tell my story, but basically, of course, I'm here to answer your questions, so are there any questions yet? Now, um, you were often slayers, to the order is destroyed. It. Instance in fact the property in second, the second in creature, the last in underwriter, to the fellow in legal, the door in in one One, the d- 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 a, d- a- d- One day, the good of overboard justifies throwing of property. Fellow creatures become. Our portion of the mortality, provision, a bad market, new grace, what for dying. Abuya, Uma, Sedmara, Banini.
3: Um, And then the second video... Um, so, so yeah. So I wanted to kind of share those two uh, pieces of video, just as like uh, I guess ways of illustrating the multiple kinds of conversations. This idea of the black drift, or this kind of conversation around black togetherness and blackness um, within Europe, um, can kind of generate or, or bring about. Um, I'm going to, uh, I don't know how much time I have, five minutes? Yeah, uh, yeah okay. that's correct. Um, I'm just going to like read a small section from a piece of writing that I did around the Black Drift um, and then um, check in about any questions or comments or things that anybody would like to say. I have been thinking and working with a concept I call the black drift which is in its simplest form an invitation to think through and try to hold the phenomenon of black people moving through time and space and not just this but the attending reckoning that we black people do with materiality with embodiment with affect. It is a method through which I can ruminate on the present, which is really indistinguishable from the past, which is another way of saying that I'm speaking about the future, lest we stay drifting on this ship forever, always and already. Drift, rift, raft, overboard, shipped. Have you ever been to the slavery museum? Who among you have ever been to the Middle Passage? Who has been confronted with the water? Have you heard the retching? Christina Sharp says, how does one account for surviving the ship when the ship and the unsurvival repeat? How do we reckon with this remembering? Think now of justice. Think now of Darren Cumberbatch and Edson Costa and Shane Bryant and Rashan Charles. Think of Sarah Reed and Naomi Hersey. Think of the pigs, fuck the pigs. Plantation memories speak contours into the afterlives of slavery. Where are these afterlives located? How do these memories speak? What does blackness speak? Think now of the hold. Think of the ship, queer the contours, do it now, Rumi says, take an axe to the prison wall, escape, walk out like somebody suddenly born into colour, think of black and think blackness now, how do we make art in a country that is trying to kill us? the black drift, see the brackets caressing the D, see the drift, see the rift, see the raft, see the overboard, see the shipped. explore the spatial dynamics of black interiority, of objecthood and affect through encounters with particular sites and geographies and temporalities in the afterlives of slavery. Did you know that if you head south, If you wail, fall, burrow into blood and soil, become your own derivative, feel the downwards, feel the weighting of gravity, did you know that if you go south, you'll meet yourself? I am that cargo, and I is the cargo, and I was, am, is still, I was, am, is, and cargo still, who permits the black subject to loiter? Here now the names of the dead, the named criminals, the sex workers, the working mothers, the black working class and the black non-workers. My intention in working with the black drift is not meant merely to add or locate the black subject to an otherwise lacking discourse, but rather to think through and with the black subject and black subjectivity in the wake of transatlantic slavery and in located spaces as it moves through space and through time in the both already fated and in the spontaneous. Black is the drift. Blackness moves things. Rivers of blood, rivers of blood, rivers of blood. I saw a wave's belly looking backwards, a full, unending gasp of water called ocean, shipwrecked and waiting for news of rescue. Any wisp of a dream is evidence. And Dion says, one does not return to the diaspora with good news. So, thank you. So, yeah, so I just wanted to like share that in relation to this idea of printing and this idea of a kind of like ever present relationship to blackness and movement and time um, that kind of, I guess, we share and um, that kind of forms part of this black togetherness, um, for me at least. Um, I think
1: we can either move on unless anyone's got any kind of pressing things they <laughs> want to because obviously this is, we want to kind of talk, because I can move very nicely into the <laughs> chapter that I... Yeah, I've yeah, been, I think Because I think that's it great. really does work. Um, and I'm going to... So I'm, I'm really going to be speaking from my own uh, kind of PhD research a little... Well, a little bit, just because I'm really working with this concept of Sankofa, thinking about Sankofa as we understand it, but also as it lives in my own kind of uh, life and everyday life as a, as a Ghanaian migrant. And um, does everybody understand or know about the principle of sankofa? Or should I just kind of give it a little explanation? So sankofa is um, part of the, a drinker um, communication system, which is really related to death. You see this often, these symbols, um, drawn on houses, um, usually around the time of funerals, and each of them communicates some sort of wisdom. And the wisdom, the understood wisdom is of Sankofa is this idea that we have in the West because it's been really adopted by diaspora communities, is this idea of the return or the uh, go back and get it. But I feel yesterday, this is really this wonderful book that I found came through the, um, the post, and um, this wonderful poem came. The bird that is wise, look at its beak, back turned, picks for the <laughs> present picks for the present what is best from ancient eyes and steps forward to go ahead to meet the future undeterred, undeterred. This has been very useful. I was just like, wow, all the research that I've been looking for, this is what I'm trying to explore with, with Sankofa is this idea that we can use it as a tool, as a kind of way of thinking, as a methodology that actually travels with us rather than actually also is going backwards, always constantly thinking backwards. So I really wanted to kind of look at um, the chapter on dimensions of diaspora. So Tayab is actually also interested in these African diasporic discourses that kind of come with us, um, but also transnational feminisms and your black European activism. And she is really looking at diaspora as a field of study or inquiry that help us might help us to understand the kind of ways in which we could probably use diaspora as a kind of, I think, and, and migration studies as a, as a field of study rather than just like a kind of... Uh, like a, a, a knowledge system that we've already got, like very fixed knowledge system, which is what I'm trying to do with um, Sankofa. So it doesn't... It's a kind of moving thing. It moves with us rather than, um, you know, kind of sticks with us. So I have this quote, uh, the first quote that I have. But before that, I just want to just kind of... Um, and I have a video as well that I want us to engage in. So um, thinking about diaspora. I'm also really want to, just like with Sankofa, I think Sankofa has often been kind of um, taken into kind of pan-African narratives. And I think sometimes the I think news is very useful but often can exclude and can exclude queer and female bodies or kind of gendered, you know, particular kind of gendered bodies. So I'm really also interested in this idea of like how do you queer these kinds of Ideas and and Fatima also using the term queering um, European others is really, it's a really important um, kind of narrative. So, um, thinking about these is also thinking about the way that we understand it and the everyday presences of it. And what I want to just do is play something just for a couple minutes. Um, So, again, I think that I've chose that song. I use it quite a lot in sort of presentations. It's Sister Audrey, um, and it's um, from My Professor. And um, I think we've got some very deep resonances with her refrain, you know, now 40 years later. The song was actually um, put out in 1982. And um, when you think 1982 in Britain, that is one year after the uprisings in... um, Brixton and Toxteth and various different places. And then she's also speaking there still about the tenuous notion of our citizenship. This is like, you know, 40 plus, 30 years ago. She's talking about 40 years prior to that, which is her her parents' time of coming here. And she's, like, speaking to this idea of not calling her an English girl, which I think also um, kind of speaks to this, like temporalness of our diaspora and experiences and, and um, perhaps some of the things that we can explore in this conversation. So and this, this also this state of permanently being outside. But I want to also ask questions, is it what does it mean to be this minority populations? She's a second generation. I'm also a second generation. What happens? When we have third, fourth, and fifth generations moved from motherlands, even some of us more. So um, what's the preoccupation with diaspora and this state of our, our connections to, to motherlands? Um, and what, what of this diaspora, which is um, often this idea of this returning somehow, and that maybe we might be living in a, in a state of suspension from a kind of life, our lives, because we're always thinking about this return. So um, there's a text that I've picked out. There's uh, an invitation to read. So who's got the text? So Jacob in the front, and there, and there. Um, Let's read for the first, do you want to read the first bit?
8: Jacob? The whole page, or?
1: If you can. Yeah, sure.
8: Yeah. Um, Understood like this, diaspora does little more than provide a new name for the old idea that migrants experience the period of migration as a suspension of their real life. Which will be continued after the final return home according to this theory even if in reality the moment of return is endlessly postponed it remains at the center of the migrants identity preventing them from ever fully engaging with the host society though in the end they might spend the larger part of their life there hague 2003 uh, soyal and others contrast this model with the multiple forms of engagement migrants display in the receiving nations, an engagement that transcends the binational focus and is obscured by what is perceived as the diaspora's obsession with the past. Andreas Hussein, Hussein for example, claims that today's hyphenated and migratory cultures develop different structures of experience which may make the traditional understanding of diaspora as linked to roots soil and kinship indeed highly questionable. Hyacen 2003 page 151 this traditional understanding lacks the migrant locks the migrant out of the nation and into the past and accordingly is a concept hardly useful in capturing how migrants negotiate national belongings in an increasingly post-national world. Instead, according to Soy Sol, a more challenging and productive perspective is achieved by focusing our analytical providence on the proliferating sites of making and enacting citizenship. In a world of incessant migrations, it it is in these novel geographies of citizenship that we recognise the dynamics of distri- and distribution of rights and identities and patterns of inclusion and exclusion.
1: So, um, I just want to just refer to the poem again. For the present, what is the best from ancient eyes? Then steps forward on ahead to meet the future, unfettered. As a uh, next quote, which is on memory.
6: Someone
9: else with that? In the, middle of that? Um, the notion of memory and its role in not only shaping a community's history, but also at least as important, its present and future, essential to diasporic identity. Black Europeans seem to be doubly dis- disadvantaged in this regard. They often are perceived as mar- marginal with regard to the key memory trope of the black diaspora in the West, that is, the Middle Passage, oh, while at the same time having in common with other Europeans of colour, the expulsion from the continent's remembered past. Accordingly, counter-memory, discourses, and the rediscovery of narratives of past agency are central concerns for the European minority activists. The quest, on the other hand, to erase or marginalise the presence of national others within lies at the heart of not only of national histories, but also of the European non-memory of colonialism. The experience of being written out of of, or misrepresented in majority histories, therefore, is often more relevant to to minority communities in Europe than the supposed desire to recreate an ideal home. This is something that is actively confronted by the renegade, renegade transnational understandings of the term diaspora, which seek to explore rather than resolve the discourse between diaspora and the national. Hussein, in addressing the relationship between diaspora and memory, argues for an exploration of these underlying tensions. It is particularly the relationship between diasporic memory and the memory formations of the national culture within which a given diaspora may be embedded that remains seriously understudied.
1: So I put this quote up. she not only refuses a comfortable belonging to nation or country or local street, she alters them by demonstrating that geography and the material world is infused with sensations and distinct ways of knowing, rooms full of weeping, exhausted countries and a house that is only as safe as flesh. This is something that I've been using a lot. This is um, from Catherine McKittrick's uh, book, De- uh, Demonic Grounds. Um, and she's talking about uh, Dion Brand's writing and- Book, poem book which is called Land, Land to Light on. So uh, I think what's really important is that Taab uses this idea of the poetic within that as particularly the poetic within Afro-German women's practices um, and kind of as a way of thinking about those interactions of African diasporic discourses and the feminisms and uh, European activism. Um, so thinking about the kind of women's stories and how people in- articulate themselves, and also think about the kind of geographies and spatial experiences, just like with Sankofa, I'd quite like to propose that diaspora is a fertile ground from which to, for us to really uh, examine uh, what is actually happening, but also to kind of uh, disrupt this notions of diaspora, which is always kind of fixed in this notion that we are kind of always longing for a, a, a homeland. So we're always kind of and we will not be kind of um, uh, kind of uh, you know uh, satisfied until we have this. So I think I want to just kind of, I have other quotes but I'm also very aware of the time. Um, so the other two quotes that are at the beginning of the uh, chapter that some people might have here which is one is about Poetry from um, Audre Lorde. Um, someone want to read it, or show? There's somebody. Have you got the?
8: For women, poetry is not a luxury. It is a vital necessity for our existence. It forms the quality of the light within which we predicate our hopes and dreams towards survival and change. First made into language, then into idea, then into more tangible action.
1: So I think what's really important about that is this idea. Not, I'm not just talking about poetry, and I think Lord is not just talking about. It's the kind of creative actions and what creative ways in which we use the poetic, as in all the material that we can create to, to uh, form the kind of actions that we present in the world. Does someone want to read the song quote? I can read it.
7: Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sorry
9: for my English. Uh, Relation is learning more and more to go beyond judgments into the unexpected dark of art's absurgings. Uh, its beauty springs from the stable and the unstable, from the deviance of many particular po- poetics and the clairvoyance of relational, of relational poetics. The more things it uh, standardized, into a state of liturgy, the more rebellious consciousness it arouses.
1: So really I'm thinking also about the possibility of using that as, as a way of thinking about our fields of inquiry, to think about the ways we refuse, to think about diaspora as a possibility to um, question a place and to also think about the the experiences that are embodied, sometimes that are traumatizing, to towards our unfettered future or unapologetic future. I'm going to just end with another quote, which I have here, actually, which is from um, a wonderful British um, thinker, Gail Lewis, from her question of presence. And then I'm going to end with a video. It is a question of making presence in the diasporic conditions and the processes of racial hybridity and creolization that she is to be found if and if it is a big... If, can we see, uh, as Edward Glisson cited in chance, has referred to creolization as an encounter, the interference, the shock, the harmonies, the disharmonies between cultures as unpredictable. One cannot calculate its consequences. It is a force and process that can only be grasped by the imaginary. This is a site that marks the presence of the black woman as subject cis trans here and there and then (coughs) and now and if ever there has been a time that she is needed it is now
10: Je me rendais compte qu'il y avait un... une lacune euh, et un biais euh, en ce qui concerne la représentation sur les femmes noires en France. La majorité des femmes noires que j'étais amenée à côtoyer euh, et moi-même, je n'avais pas en fait, ce, ce type de femmes représentées dans la société française. Je oui. crois mm-hmm. De la visibilisation en faisant de la survisibilisation. Quand on voyait des femmes noires dans les supports artistiques, au sens large, les femmes noires étaient souvent représentées par le biais de stéréotypes la menu, la femme de ménage, l'infirmière, la, la prostituée, la femme noire qui vient de l'étranger, elle doit renoncer à cette culture d'origine. Et je pense que c'est une stratégie pour affaiblir en fait peut-être qu'il cautionne en fait que que les personnes racisées soient ramenées euh, au second plan.
7: Et je pas
2: Mais ça
10: euh, a air, euh, la... <rire> des femmes noires euh, à savoir euh, leur force vive, leur force créatrice était euh, la base pour pouvoir euh, créer euh, ce projet de libre.
2: Bit short in the reading, so who has because it is our stepfatherland? Um, I actually, oh, that's great. Um, I wanted, I, I briefly wanted to say something about Fatima Altea because I've been um, working, making use, leeching off her work, uh-huh. of specifically this publication, since five years, I think. Um, and what I really have found quite useful is that she actually attempts to think about what it means to um, be um, somehow um, present in Europe, in particular uh, particular ways. And she lived in multiple um, cities. Like she lived in Amsterdam. She was part of this queer um, collective, um, queer people of. Color collective called Strange Fruit. And um, I have to say, this book has been enriching in a way because um, it led to, for me personally and my friend Maria, it led for us to an intergenerational conversation with some of the members of um, Strange Fruit because they came to our gathering and I only learned about them in this publication. But I've been looking for them for quite a while and I actually. Knew about Ajamu, who was based in London, um, and about his work for more than ten years, but I never knew what that person looked like. <laughs> <laughs> so imagine reading about people again in a publication, and then you and then you accidentally meet them because one of them, Anna Krill, um, came to our uh, one of the many gatherings we did, and then she. Um, we started having a small conversation and I realised she was part of Strange Fruits so I became immediately a fanboy and then I was <laughs> like, oh, mm-hmm. your honour! And then she she was a bit shocked and was like, oh, how do you know about the work we were doing in the late 80s, early 90s? And that led to this conversation that we started having with her, Souk and um, um, various other members of the group which was almost like remapping the activist... Um, Geographies of Amsterdam, and which is why I went, to, why I chose this chapter, because this chapter is about querying public um, co- uh, public spaces, and um, it also touches on the Dutch um, Amsterdam being a city that is socially hygienic in the sense that it's it's almost what happened in the city was a cleansing of people of mm-hmm. colors present, and people of color moved to um, like um, the peripheries of the city, while they were always living within the ring if you're familiar with amsterdam you've mm-hmm. been there you might have wondered how come this city is 55% people of color live in amsterdam so the majority of the people of people living in amsterdam people of color um, is a large black community but you will never you will not mm-hmm. see them unless it's a nice beautiful warm day uh, <laughs> in the city center and then black people come or, out or it's oh it's ketikoti oh it's ketikoti yeah but um, if you so, you almost have to go to these to the Belmar or these various spaces in Amsterdam to meet people that look like you and in, and um, the various let's say expat black people that come to Amsterdam, and then uh, say, oh my God, I have yet to see a black person. This means often that they're moving within the very gentrified areas and wonder why I'm literally all by myself. Um, so I, I wanted to kind of focus on literally the beginning. Um, and there was one person that has, because it is our stepfatherland, me, nobody else? Oh, you, okay. Oh, there's three people. Oh, three people. Well, there's not much that I want to read because yeah. I want to keep it short and then look at what it means to think Um, about this concept of stepfatherland and what it means to occupy a queer and strange um, public spaces and I've been obsessed with mostly music videos as a way of reading um, histories and our present but also as a way of looking at how black people um, are uh, black young people and people of color, young people of color, are kind of narrating their own realities, their everyday realities, how they're dealing with, what it means to be in the afterlives of slavery and colonialism. And um, we will look at a series of music videos, which is also like an invitation to you to um, translate the feeling, not necessarily the words. (laughs) Um, And there is this, yeah, if you could read only, the part the beginning where um, it ends with the question with the answer that says Germany. Germany.
4: Okay also present however are the ways in which their erasure is creatively creatively circumvented daily by marginalized groups that are far more than victims reflected in exchanges such as this between the Kanak Atak interviewer and a group of teenage boys wearing national team jerseys. Question: Who are you rooting for tonight? Answer: Germany. Question: Why? Answer: Because it is our stepfatherland. Question: What? Answer: It's our stepfatherland because we are Turks and we are born in Germany.
2: Um Yeah, I I thought it was quite an interesting proposition, how to often we're invited. Some of us are um, thinking about what Barbie was speaking about, this idea of home. And Edward Glissant speaks often about um, offering us the proposition to de-root. So to sometimes, like I was thinking, I was talking to my sister, who's here, um, about our grandfather, our father's side, being born in 1899. And um, he was the first. Um, diaspora person in my family. So I'm like fourth, fifth generation diaspora, um, which means that a diaspora also does not mean that one relates only to the Western context. One can be diaspora in multiplicity of ways. But it also means that one can have an ancestral place um, that one relates to. So for me to return for the first time to Somaliland um, to visit uh, my uh, family and to see some people. I don't have that much family actually living there, but because of our complex cultural system, there's always someone who knows who you are (laughs) present (laughs) there. Um, And so many of us are um, visiting places for the first time that we have ancestral connections to. Whether that is, it is ways of um, many of our ancestors being um, kind of connected to a place or our feeling to feel we're connected to a place or I don't know what is these ancestral websites told you that you know the DNA was connecting <laughs> you to a place. But um, I, was, I was thinking about the complexities and um, of being black and somehow um, having this oppressive um, relationship to home, what home can be, and this can be for people of Caribbean, African-American, black American, um, and all the Americas' um, descent, but it also relates to people that have parents who are um, from the continent, whether it is from Ghana or Zimbabwe or Ethiopia or Somalia, wherever and how does that relate to the realities in Europe? Um, And I think Fatima al Tayyip offers alternative um, terminologies They're not necessarily good or bad. They're Mm. offerings to unpack the way um, racialized people relate to living, loving, and surviving Europe. And I think we also need to complicate what diaspora offers as a Mm. terminology. Um, And also um, what all these other words are like, motherland, fatherland. I was thinking about stepfatherland, but it could also be stepmotherland, depending on what you prefer or desire. Um, And she kind of speaks about the ways we can reckon with what queer and European public spaces and citizenship potentially offers us. And I added citizenship. This is me leeching off of her and adding my own little things because I think... Um, when I when I think about black togetherness and some of the topics we relate to or are really fighting um, through in the Netherlands specifically, like let's say the anti-blackface uh, movements, and how far removed, which is really speaking about black people who have Dutch citizenship, the desire to no longer to speak about them and we, but there is a lot of us that are illegalized, undocumented, and somehow there is the lack of. Um, solidarity with those of us who do not um, have citizenship. Mm. And I think here there is different questions of complexities relating to citizenship. And um, as someone who is Somali, and when I think about what you were speaking about, the water, and I was also African, and then, you know, there are also lots of black bodies at the bottom of the Mediterranean Mm -hmm. Sea. And how do we, those are people undocumented, um, illegalized. Mm -hmm. And um, I've been talking to um, a great, great thinker, um, critical thinker, Egbert um, Alejandro Martina, who um, I invite you all to look up his work online. He's um, a a black, he prefers not to be Dutch, um, anarchist, um, who also speaks about these contested spaces of being illegalized and criminalised and simultaneously um, Dutch citizen for 400 years. What, what does that name
5: again? Sorry,
2: Egbert, um, I think um, in the English pronunciation would be Ag- Egbert, <laughs> <laughs> um, Alejandro, um, yeah. Martina. We can share, perhaps if you want to send give us your email addresses yeah. later, we can share some of the references, it might be nice to share it forward. Um, and he speaks also about um, how these issues of being, of, of the complexity, complexities of um, uh, the living conditions of black people, specifically in Rotterdam and the Netherlands as a whole, and how um, these, these ways black people are criminalized. Um, And that also counts, he doesn't necessarily speak often about um, people of color that are dealing with, let's say, Islamophobia or black people who are dealing with Islamophobia and racism and other isms simultaneously. But he does say that there are similarities in realities, um, but they're not necessarily exactly the same. And he um, was speaking about that um, these complex relations and realities um, are um, they resonate across geographical locations, um, but they are not the same. So some of the issues he's been speaking about is that how anti-blackness is built into the structure and institutions that make up the modern world or modern Europe. And um, so, yeah, Fatima al speaks about deviance um, in, in, in this relationship to spatiality spatial sense, Um, so these public spaces, the um, cities we live in, um, the cities and our neighbourhoods in black togetherness, Barbie and I have been speaking a lot about black Neighborhoods, let's say Matongo in uh, Brussels, and how it is a meeting point for people who arrive, but people have been living there for decades, and how it is a place of um, sh- like it's a it's a site of archival experiences and memories, but it's also like a living address book where you literally find your way, and people connect you with other people. Um, you might find the right places to eat, the church to attend, or the party to go to, and. Um, so what is the deviance then in the context of, of stepfatherland and also this proposition of these young Turkish uh, boys and in that football music are for me quite interesting research sites of research because they are both um, showcase kind of the, um, I wouldn't say hypocrisy but kind of the, the complexities of. Being multiple things at the same time, to have loyalty and and not be loyal to particular to a country, um, because half of the French or majority of the French football team has an African or like a diasporic background. Um, the music that they play resonate with black people across the world, but they still wear the French football team. So how do you how do you support? How do you claim? I mean, the people were saying online. Um, white French people actually got upset that a lot of black and African people were saying that French football team is the last remaining Fran- um, African team. <laughs> and that, that, that thing that not allowing black people to be multiplicity of things simultaneously um, says a lot about also the French football team in 1998 versus the French football team in 2018. 20 years later, the French football team, one of the, a lot of their players, do not give a shit. They were like playing African music. They were. The entrance music into some of the Russian hotels was like coming in with their speakers, and to me, this is really what um, Fatima al is speaking about: this complex relationship to a stepfatherland. And I think music does the same because where would these football players be without the music that kind of occupies, that makes mess, that um, comes in, and that makes even the white French football players dance to. Coupé Calais, or whatever Afro trap, and I wanted to kind <laughs> of share some of the music because I think um, a lot of a lot of artistic productions from the from France produced by Black people has been um, kind of radical in its attempt to offer ways of dealing with being contested and being criminalized, being always illegalized, um, not being allowed to address racism, and then. I think music offers a way to be deviant and to occupy. A lot of the music videos in the Netherlands, in France, in Germany are always like taken, taking up space. They're always shot in architectural spaces. Like I know Skepta has this video that is in a brutalist space. Somehow, um, the big annoying white architects. Um, spaces that they built in the 60s, 70s, the failed architecture has become the site for a lot of young black um, artists um, to showcase their music. So it's the backdrop. So these famous architects are now the backdrop to um, the the music and the stories and the way people want to kind of narrate their own stories. So we're going to watch the first video, which is called Black um, Hollanders, which means black the Black Dutch and it's by this Dutch um, black Dutch collective that have been um, very much present in the black um, anti-black face movement and um, some of them have been jailed also specifically for um, being part of protests. minutes.
7: Winston en Kom je bij en ik niet door, zeker door
2: So, um, just to kind of briefly tell you what they're speaking about, because again, they're speaking um, in a quite ingenious way um, about, um, they're narrating the black reality to football players that have been refused by the Dutch uh, media that have actually been going through a lot of racist, oppressive um, um, situations that had to leave the Netherlands. And they're kind of speaking about, they're saying at one point, black man how for which means like black man, keep it up. So keep it up for oneself to remain whole. And um, I wanted to kind of move forward um, to like the next video, which is kind of what I was talking about. Um, I've been collecting a lot of music videos across, made mostly by people across Europe, where they literally occupy architectural sites that are mostly touristic, very clean, very white. been really thinking specifically about dance because I think dance is a lingua franca, a way of speaking together. Speaking, um, it's a, it has to me personally has been quite a successful lingua franca because somehow it manages to spread across Europe, where people are incorporating traditional African dances from all over the continent and simultaneously add on their local um, ways of um, their local coded dance moves. Um, that are um, speaking for oneself as dance, as a form of being deviant, as a way of simultaneously occupying space, as a way of querying space. So as you can see, it's quite like, it's a a touristic um, site. And the last is um, MHD. To really keep it short because I'm running out of time, but Um, the I used this. I wanted to briefly show this last video because um, Amade is based in Paris. This film, this video is shot in Manchester. Um, I um, this Afro trap is basically um, I think also an interesting proposition of black togetherness. Like uh, he speaks about it as a um, a sound that is not rooted um, in let's say black American trap music, but it's rooted in African forms of, um, it's an African recreation of that. So he uses like West African sounds, um, kind of kuduru, all types of other rhythms, and then kind of incorporates what he would offer as a reading of what Afro trap could be. And it has multiple chapters. So one could see it as reading a a book, um, where he kind of maneuvers through different architectural sites, and he also kind of takes up space. That was it.
4: Okay. (laughs) So my section is Stranger in My Own Country, Hip Hop as Diasporic Lingua Frank. I'm not going to talk too much about myself. I'm going to read this. So I have chose this because Barbie asked me to choose it. Um, (laughs) And because it is of interest to me as someone who writes and performs, um, and how hip hop has been sort of integral in me learning about literature, just basically. Like hip hop really spoke to me about words and how to use them, and how they can be a tool of regeneration and liberation. Mm. And if the Who actually has this, by the way, does anybody have hip hop as diaspora yeah, language? Right? Okay. Um, um does somebody want to read the first just the first chapter. Or paragraph rather. Yeah, okay.
5: Uh I'm sorry, I'm not na- native English oh, speaker. So I don't any none of us are, of us are. are. <laughs>
4: uh,
5: created by but I listen to hip hop so okay. <laughs> <I'm excuse. laughs> Created by Af- African American, Caribbean, and Latino youths in the 70s, New York hip hop soon became the worldwide movement. First picked up by, uh, in Europe by uh, minority and migrant teenagers who easily in- identified with the U.S. old school raps, revolving around uh, racism, exclusion, and the search for the place of uh, one's own.
4: And yeah, thank you. And. I thought that was relevant because that's really, in a nutshell, what hip hop meant to me. It provided me with a space that I could exist in that didn't exist. So, yeah, it's odd because it situates you in a reality that you're not a part of, but it allows you room to exist because of its sonic blueprint. And that it's, speaking, it's almost speaking directly to you Um, So I'm going to read a little bit, and what's? Ellen Ellen also has it. Ellen, Okay. Um, There's a chapter. You don't know.
1: Ellen doesn't have it.
4: Oh, okay. Uh You can pass along. (laughs) So that's cool. And so the part that I thought was interesting was here. Um, So the hip hop, in particular, if you start from there and end with Lost Generation. Uh,
9: And uh, this is not my. Native. We're
2: not allowed to say that anymore. Um, yeah. Hip-hop in
3: particular and uh, African diaspora discourse in general was indispensable to the creation of a post-ethnic European diaspora identity among them. The failure to, make, to take part in established political and countercultural practices further marginalised this seemingly non-integrated and apolitical lost generation. Uh,
4: Thank you, yeah that's it. Um, So our section highlighted that because it has also links to reggae and sound system culture which is oftentimes the root of hip-hop culture um, and the idea of they would be called DJs but in America the DJs are the people behind decks. In Jamaican culture and reggae culture, DJs are the people that have mics in their hand and they're toasting. And so the link between being you're not integrated. So you create literally sound systems, you plug into street lamps, you take the power from the state and you use it to create block parties Mm -hmm. and create a new way of living and a liberty that lives through the music that crosses the shores of Jamaica um, to the US then enters from the US into a myriad of different places to Europe, to Africa, and how hip hop begins, as Amal showed with the MHD, how you can take the different influences and begin to create a discourse of your own, and how it manifests in so many different ways. I guess almost I feel that hip hop as a term is limited because the music is so much bigger than that, mm-hmm. and it expands and broad. is so broad uh, in all of its manifestations. And here is another part that's quite interesting. It said, already representing the fusion of several cultural traditions, hip hop lent itself to adaptation and further creolization by groups he immediately related to its message. Like the French La Rumeur Melly, MC of the Afro-German, Skilzen Marseille, recalls the dramatic effect of her first encounter with US hip hop. In Germany, it starts, when you enter the first institution, be it kindergarten or school, You are confronted with rejection, being different, being black. And then I heard public enemy, got the t-shirts, and that was liberation for me. An outlet to rap the lyrics, feel the energy. That just touched me. These were people 9,000 miles away from me, and they said things that are relevant to my life here in Germany. And I guess what I was speaking to before of this, it crossing cultural boundaries and your understanding of who you are, and also sort of solidifying at times positively and sometimes negatively, your relationship to the external world through a primarily audio medium. I think for me, hearing it first, it was never through videos, it was always through like CDs and tapes. And then later when YouTube comes about, you begin to see the reality that other people live. But before, it's really like a book, mm. and you're beginning to understand yourself mm. through other people's relationships um, to their to their world. And there's one section, anybody that you can pass on, whoever feels like they want to read. Okay, Um, so the section is, yeah, from hip-hop, the next page, hip-hop worked as lingua franca up to nations. Thank you. Hip-hop worked as lingua franca that enabled minorities to explore their similarities belonging beyond ethnic difference and language barriers. At the same time, the move away from English allowed a focus on the European situation fundamentally different from that in the United States in some ways, but showing previously unnoticed similarities between the continent's nations. Thank you. And that got me thinking of how, when I write now, I'm using a lot of, so my parents are from Sierra Leone, so using a lot of Creole um, in how, what i say, like in words, and using it to liberate myself from English, even though Creole is very interesting as a language because a lot of it is fixed English, not broken English, because you can't break a language that's already broken. So it fixes mm-hmm. English in order to be more, to be more c- comprehensible to the population. And also seeing how someone like my cousin, who's from Sierra Leone, how he responds when I do write or read in Creole and the, his relationship to it expands and he's almost more at ease with the music, because he understands it from a place of linkage. And it begins to, even when people don't understand you, they understand that you're speaking from another perspective rather than in purely English. And hip-hop's, this last section, hip-hop's appreciation in Europe allowed for the creation of a remarkably fluent movement that has engaged in the process of building community that avoids the seemingly unavoidable retreat to an essentialism differing between us and them not by denying that there are fundamental differences running through European societies, but by insisting that these differences can be named and dismantled. And I'm remembering a really quite poignant real life moment where I was in Gothenburg, walking somewhere, I can't remember where I was going, and (laughs) these people, they were reciting Juicy by Biggie and they were all doing it together. And then I ran in and finished one line and everyone was like, hey! (laughs) And it's that (laughs) that sense of community that can be developed through, and even though that's like US hip hop, but just the creation of that, when how people began to relate to it as this almost, I don't know, this homogenous way of understanding a lived reality um, that was experienced together, even though we didn't grow up in the same spaces. Mm. And that's just really inspiring. I think hip hop has done that. And the positive aspects of it is that it can transcend our differences in such remarkable ways and there's a what I want to do for the last piece is there's a video by a film really by Jumbo uh, a Senegalese director and the film is called Toki, Buki, and it's about a journey I'm gonna go to the back because I need to see the video in order to read what I'm gonna read <laughs> so follow bear with me so the film is about journeying and the main principal characters are wanting to seek a way to get to France because they're tired of being in Senegal. And the thing that I'm writing at the moment is about how one exits or comes to a new place of being. And I think this clip sort of put together everything, and everything began to coalesce with how I saw this clip and the idea of movement and how we move through space and time with words. And this is, this is it. Uh, so just don't look at me watch the screen. <laughs> I've got droplets. I've got droplets essence of life flowing off me need towel to dry. Better yet get bottle catch water save life cause drought be coming soon and whitey running to moon and Mars as if escape could undo scars. Like, 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 like. Why you whip me so hard? Man didn't ask to come to your yard. Is this a part of the master plan? If so, what part do I play in am? Bare bodies bruised long the way, bare bodies lost long the way. Can one find redemption for all of them and me today? Pull, 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 exit. Pull, 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 pool, exit. Pulled, pull, pool, pulls, pull, pool, pulled, pulled pooled pools, exit. But where do I go? Black star, liner taking me home. Marcus Mosiah setting me free. Tubman, Tubman to the nth degree Is this the Underground Railroad be? Where be redemption for we? Them ones can't see the urgency We in same shit different degrees This dunya tlanga tlanga for we? Top button 1% be chaining we? What be our rebellion plantation fee? Pull, 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 exit Pull, 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 pulled, pulls, pulled, pulled, pulls, exit. Pull, pull, pulled, pull, pulls, pull, pulls, exit. Pull, 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 exit. But where do we go? Black Liner taking we home. Marcus Messiah setting we free. Tubman, Tubman to the nth degree. What be our rebellion plantation fee? Pool, pull, 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 exit, pull, pool, pull, pool, pulls, pulled, pulls, 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 exit. But where do we go? Black star liner taking we home. Marcus Mo, sire, setting we free. Tubman Tubman to the nth degree. Is this the Underground Railroad be? What be redemption for we? Them ones can't see the urgency We in same shit different degrees This dunya tranga tranga for we Top button 1% be chaining we What be our rebellion plantation fee? What be our rebellion plantation fee? What be our rebellion plantation fee? Fee. Pull, 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 pull. Exit. Pull, 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 Exit. Pull, 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 pulls, pulled, pulled, pulls, pulled, pull, 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 pull Thank you all for participating and listening. Yeah.
2: So, um, I think we have how long? Yeah, we have like um, 17 minutes until Ooh. five, so... We did
1: good on the timing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so, um,
1: I think it's time, as, as in the words of Baldwin at the end of uh, Baldwin's nigga, I think it's time that you speak to us. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we should open this up now and... Um, and uh, Has anyone got any thoughts that they want to share about those readings and um, some of the ideas that have been presented here? (laughs) People are leaving. It's It's okay, it's okay. Just to
6: thank you all very much as an elder inspiring to um, see what all the young people are doing so um, and thanking you thank you. can I thank leave you. my
1: email yes. yes of course definitely yeah. we can share some text
0: yeah. yeah I'm just interested in how you're working as a group like I love this thing of kind of connecting across different European countries and connecting experience across those different countries. But I wonder if you can say anything about how you work as a collective.
1: Hmm. Um, I suppose it's really fluid uh, in collectivity. I suppose what we're really thinking about, which is, which is quite good because if you imagine, like I think uh, the kind of different circles and spaces that we're navigating. I spend a lot of time, for example, in the Netherlands. Um, as well as being in the UK. I don't really kind of maybe spend so much time in, say, places like Paris or whatever, but we we know across our, I suppose, our journeys that there's are sort of shared ideas. The collective is around grappling with those kind of shared terminologies and those ideas and those mm-hmm. things and developing a kind of ways to... Um, to, to, to navigate that and to think about the, the sort of togetherness moments. I will say that most of the, a lot of the time, it is those moments when we can get together, whether we um, have to say, like these platforms, like this platform, or like going yeah. to Art Rotterdam or you know, being in Gothenburg or having these, yeah. is also when we can have those conversations across our continents or our, yes. our spaces, yes. across our seas, or, across the waters. I think I really like also what Nadine was saying about the the hip hop is that is this also the recognitions, so we use those recognitions to make sure that we when we get together we get together in in those spaces and I think a lot of the um, collectivity is grappled with in I suppose in dialogue.
7: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean the other thing is like I mean we can talk to both. Um, Imani and uh, Nadim are involved in Sorry Feel Uncomfortable. The other thing is also, and I, I love what you're talking about, is that, you know, I have an elder position as well. <laughs> and it's also about making sure that we I, we create those spaces in order mm-hmm. to have the cross-generational and also cross kind of, uh, you know, sp- um, continental spaces. Because we're not necessarily just speaking with people that are in Europe, but also in America and Africa and Ghana so that we can also think about what we are thinking you know these sort of languages and ideas and the ways in which we're writing our own theory not necessarily also in books but also through the video practices through the occupations like the women taking up those spaces like how we're also kind of you know do, using the gathering as kind of an archival space. So I think really um, it's not a fixed collectivity, it's a kind of um, collectivity that kind of uh, sort of navigates Fluid. itself in yeah. fluidity of water and yeah. spirals and circles and, and those kinds of things. Yeah. Do you want to?
2: Yeah, I, I just wanted to add, I think, collectivity is also site of study. If I think about, mm. I um, spend my 20s visiting, meeting people across Europe. So for me, it has been insightful to make friends and true relationships. I think Lisanne speaks of that, um, um, like various. Nugugi speaks of friendships, like a lot of mm. um, black thinkers, writers artists, musicians speak of friendships and as friendships. And I think in, in again, what, what Nadim said, hip hop has been a great source of making friendships, mm. if I think about how it allied. it it is as a site of study as well. Mm. But um, I think, for example, of um, going to um, Lisbon and meeting all, like, and um, like Lusophone, like people who are like, rooted in a different language context. And mm. for me to speak Dutch, um, which also means in the Netherlands I'm an elder, uh, not here, <laughs> but in the Netherlands, I am because we don't have like uh, let's say seven generation or six generations of people going through art school systems and all kind of things, and um, so in a way we have different starting points across Europe. It's the same. I would like let's say the Netherlands. We have a relationship, strong relationship to Belgium, for example, because mm-hmm. of the language. There's an ongoing exchange. There's a book that came out called Black, um, Smart, like means black, and it's literally about black. Um, Dutch and and Flemish experiences. So it's quite an insightful publication that touches also on black experience and conditions in the Netherlands and in Belgium. But when I think about the Lusophone, it's, it's literally going to school, learning about these films and music and and people that I would have not known about if I did not have friends as translators Mm. that would guide me through that. And I think of Germany, like I speak Dutch, I also speak enough German to get by and also meeting lots of Afro-Germans, going to Switzerland and and, um, Austria. Austria, horrendous place, like if I think about it. There are many, many, um, let's say, in Europe, many different grades of badness. But I felt personally like Austria was next level. Um, But it was also, um, um, for me, um, quite um, confrontational to also deal with my own set of uh, prejudices, like my ideas about places that I felt already like uh, about. And learning about the realities of black people there, and learning or being in Italy and uh, meeting Somali young somali men uh, that just literally came off the boats that survived and they spoke to me in somali and they were asking me what are what am i doing here and and having these moments of being privileged because i do i do want to underline that in all our conditions and marginalization, criminalization, some of us are very privileged mm-hmm. to travel across borders and to meet people and to make friendships. And what, do, what is our responsibilities then? What do we do with these mm-hmm. sets of friendships and these networks that we build? And I think this kind of black togetherness project is also about sharing our skill sets, but also our networks. And, um, but really also grappling together with what could black togetherness mean? What is the role of music? What does it mean to not understand each other, uh, but to speak together? um, And to really deal with this different set of conditions. I think the conditions here um, are familiar to me because I've spent, half of my family lives in London, I've spent a lot of time in London, and yet there are quite, and stranging, because it's not, Let's say the whiteness I'm um, I've been mentally prepared for my whole lifetime. It's and a particular whiteness. whiteness. <laughs> yeah, the Dutch whiteness. I always make a joke to Barbie and I say it's a Dutch whiteness, I can just go like bam, I know this one. But, but the, the English, English politeness, politeness <laughs> just makes me always itch. And, <laughs> and 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 it's kind of these, you know. All of us have these different sets of issues that we bring along across borders, and how do we then grapple with that? Mm-hmm. And I'm also curious, because I assume both of you, whether it is in music or through like artistic practices, have been moving similarly through particular parts of Europe and feeling estranged, strange and mm-hmm. simultaneously not. Mm-hmm. Kind of in the work you made uh, and that you showed yeah, us. Yeah, yeah.
3: I think there's also a kind of... Uh, another layer which I'm like working through, I guess, of, of queerness um, and of being black and, both black, black and queer, um, and what that does to your ability to uh, recognize kind of possible friendship, um, especially like like within my own context, but also in, in other European contexts. But what I was going to say also is this kind of notion of black study, of mm-hmm. being um, in constant dialogue um, and kind of dialogue um, over kind of a number of years and a number of different kind of transformations and a number of different kind of versions of yourself, mm-hmm. um, but always kind of like distilling or um, thinking through what, what that togetherness is. And, and also, thinking about blackness as, as that kind of collectivity, that kind of togetherness, and also what, what is beyond or underneath or on top of that blackness. Um, so that it's not just this kind of like shared thing that is actually put onto us, but that there is some other kind of way of, of being in collectivity that is, that is not, uh, I don't know, that kind of recognises that blackness <laughs> is, is outside of us. As well as like uh, put onto us. So that's kind of something that I, um, yeah, have kind of been thinking
4: through. I don't know if um, you Yeah, I think I've only really, I realized that I only really consider myself black when I'm in Europe. And when you're in a different space, well, I say Europe, um, perhaps majority European spaces. Like uh, if I was in. If I'm in Sierra Leone, I've already been once, but it's a very different relationship to the self. and it creates different ideas and possibilities of being because you're seen as British um, and not European, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're seen as um, but you but they but people still understand that there is a lineage involved. Um, I think sometimes in Europe. It's a, it's a constant invention, you're constantly inventing.
7: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, whereas, I think, depending on where you are, you don't really need to invent. That doesn't. You don't need to construct a narrative around who you are. It's sort of already there, which is sometimes good, and sometimes not so great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in Europe, there is this constant, ah, who am I? Okay, maybe I should read this, mm-hmm. and then I'm this. <laughs> and mm-hmm. maybe I should mm-hmm. take in this, and mm-hmm. then I'm that. And mm-hmm. it's like you're very amoeba-like. Mm-hmm. You You exist as not just, I would say it's multiplicity, but it's multi, 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 mm, multi, mm, multiplicity. Mm. Um, and sort of navigating that is interesting. I found that, say, when I went to Paris, it was interesting because I didn't go to the suburbs where there's a predominance of African and other people, uh, other, other, other Europeans and other people, and <laughs> other, other people <laughs> peoples um, who are not French. So I was in like the Arindis, Arindis- months that were quite wealthy, but I was staying with two Africans, well, two Caribbeans, but they were like quite conscious of the fact that they were also African. And that was very interesting because they were dead. Cause one of the guys I was staying with, he worked for UNESCO. So his life experience was very different. Mm. And I, never, I didn't really get to know what it was like to mm. be actually like an African in the way that I've grown up here in Paris, Mm -hmm. so there's all these different layers and ways of living, and it's really, you really see it when you come here or when you have family that come to Europe, like my cousin is from Sierra Leone, his experiences of being African in Europe are very different because he's rooted in a certain culture, And even the idea of security guards is like strange to him, Mm. it's like what are you guarding, Mm. like (laughs) Like, we went out and there was a security guard and it's a very strange thing, and I don't even feel as how strange that is, like why is, what? <laughs> why is that happening? <laughs> and with the cost of things, that's obviously like an economic <laughs> thing, but there's just certain things that I didn't realise how strange they were. And it's good to get an out, a, a view from the outside looking in to maybe question our realities more okay. and think, why have we learnt to be okay with certain systems that are in place? Yeah. Why don't we do our utmost to present other ways of being and solution-oriented ways of being as opposed to sort of um, being stuck. <laughs> and like Bobby was saying, the diaspora, like seeking a way home or sankofaring, doesn't necessarily need to be a physical return as of yet, but it can be a return and a look to the future. So returning doesn't have to be, it's a return, so re as in it has been before. So you're just going back to what has already been, but what has been, is already here, because time doesn't, space doesn't actually exist. And the laws (laughs) of thermodynamics state that no energy can be destroyed or created, so everything's already here. So, a Sankofa ring is just a move, a a move forward, and a move back simultaneously. Yeah, that was a mad tangent. (laughs) It's a good good tangent, because I think that is
1: really kind of part of that, that, that narrative as well, thinking, or rethinking diaspora as being just this kind of, like, uh, and, and also think about it if, if it 's been taken on in migration studies and like put upon us as migrant you know so as migrant ne- always never always never settled, always arriving, mm-hmm. and this kind of notion of of the, the sort of generations i mean as a, a person who has a child who 's now the third generation of what does that mean when she kind of decides to kind of um, you know, return? Where does she return to? And what does that return actually mean? So therefore we have to start rethinking what these spaces are. (laughs) And I think also the idea of uh, thinking about black togetherness togetherness with, alongside, with, and thinking about the European context is that we then start to contend with those connected histories, those also um, things that bring us here, but also... They also bring uh, African-Americans to, to, the, to Europe and this European fantasy that which we are kind of, you know, we are within. Mm. And also how we start to navigate that, that dialogue of our presence, and I think presence is a is a really important thing because I think often, like when you when you go to America and you sort of turn up with your British accent, right, and they're like, <laughs> <laughs> "Damn, speak!" Yeah, yeah. You know, it's really true. Wanna, it's like you, you're not an, you're not existing, you know, and and so and also it's also quite exotic for for us when you first you know leave Britain and you kind of the U K and then you're suddenly like you get the head nod in I don't know yes. Paris or whatever you get that head nod and you're like damn, or you might be in, I think, one of the most craziest places is, like, you know, white kind of holiday with a white friend in Spain somewhere and, you know, like, whatever, and then someone just, like, heading on you and you're like, wow, these yeah, are here, and they speak in Spanish, Spanish, and, Spanish. <laughs> and, you know, and all of this kind of stuff. And actually those... But what is, what is important in that kind of... What is possible here, particularly as, for example, Britain, we are leaving the EU... What does that mean when the ticket to get out of it is basically a racist one? Mm-hmm. You know, and this is happening all mm-hmm. over Europe. What is the possibility for the kinds of narratives and solidarities and presencing of our histories here? Um, you know, what does that have to offer to the mm-hmm. to the kind of narratives of blackness?
4: Because there's just one quick. How long do we have? Two minutes. One minute. Oh, One minute. minute. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I was in um, Palermo, and because Italy has been the source of a lot of um, immigration, migration from the sea, I met some young Gambian men, mm-hmm. and it was just interesting to sit and talk with them about their lived reality, that they would come over by boats to look for work, but what kept them together was their togetherness. Mm-hmm. That even in quite fraught situations, mm-hmm they still manage to maintain a sense of self. Mm. Mm. Um, and I think maybe that's an interesting way to end, is that despite what is placed upon us, there is a togetherness that keeps us together.
5: Mm. <laughs> yeah, thank yeah. you. Thanks. Thank you all. Thanks for being with us.
1: Yeah. Thanks for meeting with us. Thank you, Echo, for inviting us and having this conversation within yeah, an African so op- <laughs> this kind of
0: Yeah, well, look, I mean, let's do it one last time. Thank you very much to um, uh, Sorry You Feel Uncomfortable and all the speakers today. uh, Thank you for a great, great conversation. Thank you very
1: much. Thank Thank you.